Hi everyone and welcome to Take 10 for Torah number 897. I hope you all are well. Any questions, comments, suggestions, recommendations, or sponsorships, please email me at rabbiyismach at take10fortorah.org. So what I wanted to discuss today is something that is pretty well known about Hanukkah, a very interesting opinion of Beit Shammai. Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel argue over many dozens of things throughout the entire Gemara, but one of them is very pertinent to Hanukkah, and I wanted to discuss how that issue might actually be relevant practically. So, here goes. So the Gemara, as we know, begins telling us that really Hanukkah was created in a structured way. There's a basic level of performance of the Mitzvah, which is do one candle per night. There's a higher level called Mahadran. Mahadran means uh, to pursue, to be excited, to beautify a Mitzvah, in which case you would have everybody light one candle each night, and it wouldn't just be one candle for everybody each night, it would just be one for each person. And then Mahadran and Mahadran, where we track the nights of Hanukkah. Mahadram and Mahadram, the best of the best. That's the version of it that we do. But what we might not remember is that in the Gemara, there's a machlokas about exactly how that should be done. So the Gemara says, Beit Shammai Omrim, Beit Shammai says, On the first night you light eight candles, and as the nights progressively go on, you descend one each night. Beis Hillel Omrim, Beis Hillel says, Beis Hillel says, No, on the first night you light one, and from then on you go up each night by one candle. Okay, now there's a very well-known debate about whether or not they think that everybody should do this, or should this just be done in one menorah? Tosa famously says, no, only one person should be lighting and tracking the nights, even if it's fewer candles ultimately than the second level of Mahadran. Still, the goal of Mahadran and Mahadran is so that you can see outside uh, when somebody is observing the pursuit publicizing of the nace, um, so that you can count exactly how many nights it is. So Toso says that only one person should be doing it, whereas the Ramam says, uh, no, it should be one incredibly sized menorah where it multiplies the nights by the amount of people that you have in your home. That's the presentation that you're giving, so everybody can not only track the nights, but everybody's represented in the lighting itself. So that's the machlok between Tosfot and the Rambam, but there's this machlok between Shammai and Hillel that we very often ignore. Shammai says you start with A and you go down to 1. So now Ula then continues in the Gemara and says there's two different uh, opinions as to what they're arguing about. One opinion says that they're arguing about whether or not you light Kenega Yemim Ha-yotzim, or um, Yom Ha-nechnasim, or Yom Ha-yotzim, which means, ta- Shammai says that every time you light, you light based on the days that are yet to leave, and Beis Hillel says no, it's based on the days that are still to come. Uh, I, I said that backwards, actually. Uh, Shammai says on the first day you have eight days yet to come, and so therefore you have eight, and then on the first on the last day you only have one day left, so you only light one, whereas Beis Shammai says it's the days that have already passed. Okay, that's one reason. And the other one says the reason for Machlokas is the reason for Beishamah is because of the oxen of Sukkot. Weird, oxen of Sukkot, what does that have to do with anything? But Tamad Beis Hillel, and the reason for Beis Hillel is because we always go up in holiness and we never go down. Okay, so now, that's great. The Gemara then continues and tells the story about how generations later there were two Zikanim lived in a place called Sidon, one did like Beishamai, one did like Beis Hillel, and they gave the reasoning like the second reasoning. One said, I'm going down like Beishamai because Pare Hachag, the oxen of Sukkot, I'll explain that in a moment. And the other one says, no, I go up because the idea of Malin Bakodesh. We always go up in holiness. So there's a lot of uh, philosophical explanations for why Shammai and Hillel 
Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel argue on this. So uh, I don't want to get so much into that, you know, whether or not you look at things optimistically, always climbing, always going, going up, or whether or not you look at uh, things realistically. You know, the reality is there's a lot, uh, there's a, a less impressive amount of miracle left when there's two days left to Sukkah, so why should I be going and lighting all of the candles that we, as Beis Hillel followers, do? So, you know, th- there are different philosophical explanations to try to understand Beit Shammai, Beit Hillel, but I want to talk about just the plain, simple reasoning that's discussed here in the Gemara, and that's specifically uh, Shammai and Hillel vis-a-vis Pari HaChag, right? So w- w- what would Shammai's reasoning be? So Beit Hillel said, listen, Malin Bakodesh Rein Maridam, we always go up. Beit Shammai responds, well, not really always. We don't always go up. Sometimes we go down. For example, Pari HaChag. What's Pari HaChag? So over the course of Sukkot, there are seven days. And the Torah says that we bring 70 bulls as karbonot on those seven, uh, seven days. So the regular you know, regular math would dictate that seven days, 70 karbonot, you would bring 10 a day. But that's not what we do. As it's described in the Torah, what we do is we bring a progression of 13, 14, uh, I'm sorry, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, from 13 to 7, and that's what we do. And the question is, why do we do that? And this is really a Sukkot's question, not a Hanukkah question, but the answer is, uh, simply understood, that the number 70, which corresponds to the number of bulls that are brought, is generally associated in Jewish tradition with the nations of the world, there are 70 nations of the world, and also this number 70 is associated with the languages, that each one of these uh, nations has its own language, so 70 nations, 70 languages. And what we see about Sukkot, which is really beautiful actually, is that on Sukkot, we are not just busy with uh, davening and praying and bringing karbonos for the welfare of the Jewish people and for our goodness, there's also an emphasis on prayer for the entirety of the world. All 70 nations are included. But at the same time, even though there are 70 nations that are are included, we do wish and hope that the influence of those nations over us diminishes. And so that's why it goes from 13 down to 7. That diminishment is also what we're sort of davening for, because the diminishment is uh, is not the goal of the universe. The universe is for it to be or lagayim, for the Jews to influence the rest of the peoples, not the other way around. And so, while yes, we do pray for the peoples, we also acknowledge the fact that we want their influence over us to diminish. And so, that's the simple idea of Sukkot and why we have Karbanos there, that descend. Now, Shammai looks at that and says, hey, it's not just Malin Bakodesh Vemoridin doesn't apply. That the idea that we go up always in spirituality doesn't always apply. We see that by Sukkot it doesn't apply. But look at the incredible similarity between this holiday and Sukkot, or at least in this principle. This holiday, the holiday of Hanukkah, is specifically focused on the fight against the influence of the nations over the Jewish people, to retain Jewish identity, to be focused on being who we are confidently. So the same idea of Sukkot, where, yeah, we are engaged in the world perhaps, but we are specifically praying always for our influence to overcome their influence of us, so Beishamah sees as a great model the idea of Sukkot, the idea of the Pari HaChag, those oxen which are structured in that descending way to make the same idea, visible and evident. And so the Gemara here, Shammai draws from Sukkot to say, Kanegan Pari HaChag, that's why you go down from 8 to 1. So that's a, you know, that's a nice idea, um, and that explains why Sukkot has a connection over here. But have been other explanations 
for why Sukkot is attached. And I want to talk about a couple more of these elements um, tomorrow. But one I'll, I'll, I'll share as follows. The Rimilu Nil, Rabbi Yonasan, uh, commentary on the riff, and we'll get back to the riff in tomorrow's class. But the Ri says something very interesting. It says, uh, when they created the holiday, L'shana Acheres Kavum Yomim Tovim, Kol Shmona Yomim. Lonasa Nes Kizeli Yisrael. A miracle like this had never been done for the Jews. She'ilu paro lo gazar ala mitzvos, v'yavin ha-rasha gazra. This is, of course, unique, and I'll say this a million times, but it's always a unique uh, discussion when we talk about Hanukkah, because usually they tried to kill us, we survived, let's eat. Here, that's not what happened. They tried to re- convert us, right? They tried to uh, make us lose our Jewish identity. And that is seen as a very unique, and perhaps even worse, type of affliction, a type of persecution. So the Ri says, therefore... Therefore, we created a holiday which had, was longer. We made this holiday as long as the longest of the Jewish holidays, Sukkot. And even if the miracle of the oil would not have happened, and for whatever reason, the miracle of the oil required eight days, because it took them eight days to get new oil, but still, we would have made a holiday, and we would have expressed this like the longest of holidays. And therefore, even if there would not have been any candles, and therefore we see another connection to Sukkot. The Riyah the on the Rift says, I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why Pariachag, even though he's not really coming to explain Pariachag, there's such an incredible similarity to Sukkot in that it's an eight-day holiday. Sukkot has seven days, but plus the Shemini Atzeres, which is the eighth day, which is specifically just for the Jewish people and not involving the nations of the world. So he says, that's the connection between the two. So if that's the connection, maybe that's where Beit Shammai drew this idea from, that there's a connection between the two because of the length of the holiday, because of the overwhelming miraculous nature of the survival of the Jewish people. Now in Sefer HaMakam, it's very interesting. It describes the Maccabees taking over after they uh, removed the Greeks. And in uh, 10, Maccabees 10, uh, verse 6, it says, And they celebrated it for eight days with rejoicing in the manner of the Feast of Booths. Remembering how not long before, during the Feast of Booths, they had been wandering in the mountains and caves like wild animals. It was a reminiscence of the Sukkot that they had missed because they had been thrown out of the Mishkan. We're going to get back to this idea and a couple others tomorrow. I hope you enjoy Chag Sameach.